back to I Talk Shit and Read. This is Ro, and today I'm joined by MTR Shanna, and we're talking about words on bathroom walls. This is the latest release that is based on a book. The book is by the same name from author Julia Walton. It was released in 2018. It was really popular, and it was viewed as an emotional look into mental illness by some and an unnecessarily biting commentary on the Catholic Church by others. But overall, Words was really well received and struck a chord with many readers, so it's not really surprising that it ends up as a big screen film. The official synopsis of the movie is diagnosed with a mental illness halfway through a senior year of high school, a witty introspective teen named Adam struggles to keep it a secret while falling in love with a brilliant classmate who inspires him not to be defined by his condition. Word stars Charlie Plummer as Adam, Taylor Russell as Mia, Andy Garcia, Anna Sophia Robb, Beth Grant, Walton Goggins, Molly Parker, Devin Bostic, and Lobo Spashin as the all-star supporting cast. So I don't know how I feel about this one, but I kind of liked it. Shanna, where are you about Words on Bathroom Walls? I really enjoyed it in terms of First of all, I think everybody knows for me, the teen movie is kind of my, it's my jam. I I love a good teen movie. Yes. And not that this is necessarily a teen movie in the traditional sense. It's not like, it's not a kissing booth. It's not a, to all the boys I've loved. Um, But it's a movie about a teenager and it happens to be very deep subject matter, but retain like a lightness and a, a a quality that just reminds me of your classic teen movie. Well, I mean, they they cast Charlie Plummer and Taylor Russell as the leads, and the supporting cast around them was pretty narrow when it came to the schools. So, everyone else who gets you know speaking lines, Walton Goggins, who I love. Mm-hmm. inappropriately uh, Molly Parker, Beth Grant uh, Andy Garcia who I also love and given that he's a priest in this movie also inappropriately <laughs> and <laughs> for those who may not be aware of what this novel is about it's about a young man who's diagnosed with schizophrenia who is also struggling with the fact that his parents' marriage fell apart when he was young. He started having low-key symptoms of what ultimately turned out to be schizophrenia when he was around 12. He wants to be a chef, so the way that he made it through his family problems and maintained a connection to his mother was by cooking. And then his mother met a man. And, well, you know how blended families go. And... (laughs) I mean, you know, he it's 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 both and you know, like in general, when folks have mental health issues, um, they tend to really manifest like usually in their late teens, early twenties, right? So it happens that he has his first like real break, you know, and. At the same time, his mom is, like, having this new guy come into their lives and, like, all this other stuff. And he wants to be a chef. So there's this one moment where, like, Walton Goggins, who plays his stepfather, (laughs) is like, so these knives. (laughs) And I was just like, you know, we know because we're seeing it from his perspective. We're like, no, it's like the cooking actually calms him and helps him. And like, you know, you are like, no. But at the same time, you're like, mm, kid has a psychotic break. Maybe you do want to take away the knives. Okay. So this is where I kind of 
like and dislike what they decided to do with words on bathroom walls. Um, did you ever read this book? No, I have not. You might actually really enjoy this book. written by a woman. Yeah. You might actually write this book. It, the, the perspective of the book explains the perspective of what you get in the movie. In the book, you actually are hearing Adam's diary entries because Adam refuses to talk to his therapist. He won't talk to anybody. So they're doing journal therapy. So in the movie, you get the you get Adam as the disembodied narrator or Adam as narrating his own life, his own story, which I thought was really effective. Um, they built it around making it seem like we were hearing the things that were happening in his therapy sessions. In the book, we are reading Adam's diary over his shoulder. And I think they're both interesting techniques. They allow us to get a lot of De- emotional depth and connection to Adam the character but what I don't feel like the film necessarily did was turn the lens when it was somebody looking at Adam or Adam mm-hmm. looking at someone but we were supposed to be thinking about that person so um, I don't want to spoil ultimately you understand one of the reasons why they don't do that with his stepfather played by Walton Goggins is because of the you know, the ultimate climax of the film. Mm -hmm. But with the relationship to his mother, they leave out parts of what built them, what got them through his father walking out on his mother. You know, there's definitely hints of it. Um, I wish there was more of it, but there's definitely hints of it in terms of like how he cooks for his mother. It's like his way of like showing love. And they, they have like a moment where she's like, we're on the same team. Like, and he's like, yeah, he repeats it after her. It's like clear that that's something that they, they've said before. Yeah. Some of, yeah, that's what I (laughs) felt like was missing. Towards the end. And I was like, girl, girl, (laughs) girl. But that's what I felt like was kind of missing at certain points in here is, earlier in this story they needed to give us more of adam and his mom um we needed to see the relationship between the two of them because it becomes important later when he starts to spiral out of control and they use some very interesting um cinematic techniques to visualize what it looks like for him when he's having an auditory and visual hallucination and the cast of characters they give who play the the embodiment of his mental illness that he sees how he sees them i thought it was perfect casting i also thought Um, they were underutilized first of all it was just a brilliant way to show that remember i feel like this is just me but again i consumed a lot of things i was a avid watcher of the like monday night thursday night tv made for tv movie well, yeah. Um, like NBC. How were you going to get your gateway into Hallmark and Lifetime and Netflix if you hadn't been watching the Monday, <laughs> Thursday night made for TV movies? Why they were there? I, I graduated from after school special to mm-hmm. like exclusively those. Like my you absolute did. favorite to this day, She Fought Alone, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Go it. look at it. online. <laughs> and I feel like there was a rash of those that were about you know what was the one with the girl from full house where she was dating a boy who was being ass she ended up dead oh that was when candace cameron was getting her ass by um, fred savage yes that one that one was a good one too too. i was like my man is not on the wonder years anymore he is beating candace cameron's ass (laughs) i was like um nice shoulders however comma i don't really feel like you should be using them this way but yeah um one of the and things, so like, they kept often, that vibe they did keep that yeah. vibe 
but usually the way they would do it is like a lot of like hearing voices or like whispers in his head and so what i really like is that they they gave those were characters they were distinct characters only he could hear and see them you know they kind of were aspects of his personality i really appreciated um devin bostic as like horny (laughs) <laughs> like because there's an aspect of that he is a teenage boy <laughs> he's just like the extra horny like everything is inappropriate Evan, and- I mean Devin Bostic as his id everyone should have a Joaquin everyone so not good. you I don't think you should have a Joaquin because like, you I would mean- be being inappropriate with your own id and I don't know if we know I don't like Devin Bostic like that he's still to mm-hmm. me always uh, Jasper from the hundred and Jasper drove me crazy. Okay, fair. Um, but I really like that. And then there's the one voice that we never, there's never a face put to, which is the darkness, which I really also appreciated in the sense that as the movie goes on, you're kind of like, oh, this is this is truly the voice in his head. This is truly like the voice that is all his insecurity, all his doubt like all the self-destructive behavior is like in this voice. And it's it's genuinely frightening when yeah. it shows up. Well, I kind of felt like the the way they were doing it was showing the darkness or like the black that came around was actually the schizophrenia. And the other parts, like you said, were parts of his personality that were breaking out in an attempt to save him. And when I was looking at other things and I was looking at some reviews and I was looking at people who had schizophrenia because I wanted to know what they thought of this book at the time when it came out, there were several people who said, you know what? This is a really good way to try to explain this to people. It's also a good way to talk about it. That's also more age appropriate without overstepping or feeling inappropriate because they all say that at certain points it's if when you start to really break or you realize that you're med resistant it's not the 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 voices you recognize it's that voice and so mm-hmm. them separating those two things out and they had this one moment where his you know his enforcer was saying you got to go you got yeah. the sense that parts of him were trying to say, you are about to have a moment. Something is about to not be in your control. I can't protect you here. You have to go. And if the way they describe this experience, even though it's very still surface because they kept it family friendly, becomes more of the way that we think about schizophrenia and mental illness rather than immediately labeling people violent and wanting to show them as uncontrollable, uncontrolled, and, you know, all these things that we do because, you know, copaganda usually is where you see your schizophrenics on an episode <laughs> of Law and Order, right? Yeah. And even he, you know, as he's going through it, he's like, he, he, the personalities being separate characters is also like, while they're there to protect him, is his way of saying like, this is not me. Like, the, they are not who I am. And like, I really appreciated that. Or like, them by themselves isn't me. And that. Yeah thing over there is definitely not me so I really appreciated that from a film point of view I didn't necessarily like the fact that they kind of changed the environment Adam was going through this experience in in the book after Adam has his break which does happen on pace in the film and you learn that his he's got these moods you know you've got Joaquin 
I think it's Joaquin, right? Is that mm-hmm. his dude? Uh, you've got Rebecca. Uh, you've got the enforcer and his henchmen and other people who he sees that are manifested. And he gets in trouble and he gets kicked out of school. There's all these things in the book that are built up around that. They don't give us any of that. And I feel that Adam is a very well anchored character, played very well by Charlie. I do feel like they could have given him a little bit more work. They could have kept some of the things that were in his diary because I feel like the way that he talked about the drugs and what they were doing to him was a little bit more intensive and would have made a better grip on what it meant when you realized Adam wasn't always taking his meds. And I think it would have given a better kick towards the the height of the film, especially because they decided to kind of use this neon noir thing that a lot of people are doing cinematically, which mm-hmm. by the way, can we talk about the fact that it lit Taylor beautifully? But- <laughs> Oh my gosh, so uh, we need to get into the Taylor Russell of it all. Cause I'm, oh, we are, I'm which is, girl. we are. We are. We are Taylor Russell stands and we always will be. And if she becomes the new face of what they want to do with the driving voice for YA books being adapted, I'm fine with it because Taylor is a brilliant actress. But this all builds into that. In the book, they are actually dating. Like when he gets to St. Agatha, he meets a guy named Dwight and they kind of bond a little. And he ends up getting a girlfriend, Maya. Maya's his girlfriend. And they change that in the movie. And I think that change does a little bit to undermine his reluctance to let people know what's going on with him. Because they don't give us any other interactions between him, except for the interaction in his house and his family and his primary interaction with Maya at school. And he wasn't that isolated. So... I wish we'd gotten some of that one because it would have given Taylor more opportunities to act and be on screen in various ways, but two, because it would have given us a a bigger picture of what they were doing with Adam and why the relationship he ended up having and how it developed with Maya was as important it is. And the reason why it worked is because Taylor Russell. I mean, she's just, she's such a, you know, I talk about it in my review, like the way she, her characters are always so strong, but so vulnerable at the same time. Like, I don't know if it's her face. I don't like it, if it's her acting or a combination of all of it. But uh, what's the one uh, uh, escape room? Yeah, I saw her in that, you know, your standard horror, you know, kind of gory, whatever film. Right. But her character in that is super quiet, but so strong. You, know, you see her constantly thinking every time they like get into a different room, like she's like immediately thinking, trying to figure it out. And so like, you're like riveted by her. And then, you know, Waves obviously killed Waves, like Waves was everything. And now I'm seeing her in this, and this is like her being like really forceful out the gate <laughs> from the minute she meets Adam. She's like, look here, motherfucker. <laughs> like, don't be stepping on my toes. She's a, she's a tiny, she's a tiny Vito Corleone. Just a just yeah. tiny, just a little one. Actually, not Vito. She's a tiny Michael Corleone. Yeah, Let's be she's real like, here. No, I like, agree with you. Run in a business. <laughs> Get out of my face. Why are you in my office? 
<laughs> but like I agree with you uh, her Zoe in escape room kind of had like a calm energy where you could see and it was all in her eyes and then when she started getting aggressive and moving you believed it but you also kind of like where did that come from and then in waves uh, I know a lot of people had a problem with waves and they felt like certain aspects of it were unrealistic and they felt like she wasn't properly centered I've always felt like you weren't looking at the right things because mm-hmm. Emily was brilliant she was a brilliant character she was brought to life in ways that I don't think any other actress could have besides Taylor Russell. And it is both her face and the way she emotes when she acts. It's also how she holds herself. Like when she, she, when she can make herself bigger in a scene or she makes herself smaller in a scene. I'm like this woman, I, I actually want to see escape room too, simply because she's going to be Zoe Davis again. Oh my God. I like saw that movie immediately was like, is there a sequel to this? Are they planning one? Is this already coming out? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, this is a dumb movie, but not. Like, I won't go to escape rooms with people because this movie is actually my worst nightmare of escape rooms. This is what I always think is going to happen because I watched Hellraiser too many times and I'm firmly convinced escape rooms are just doorways to puzzle boxes to Hellraiser to Pinhead and I'm not going somewhere that if I solve something the right way Pinhead shows up and says I have such delights to show you that's just not going to be my life so sorry my bad but still I got completely invested in the character Zoe Davis especially when you realize what her background was in there so when I was coming to words on a bathroom wall and she comes out the the gate and she's looking at him and I'm like is she going to she gonna roll up on him oh my god she is and 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 the way that she kind of lived in that character and then it turned down you quickly believed of all the people that he could encounter she's probably the one who's smart enough and empathetic enough to understand where he's coming from and I wish they had given her more room to play I wish some of the situations that had occurred in the book at school had happened because they would have given a even bigger picture of who this character was to him uh, because they did expand her. She's not exactly the way she was in the book. Not, all, not just because she's not Filipino. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, really thing, I, you know, just knowing how, <laughs> knowing how, uh, how these things usually go. <laughs> I very early assumed, I was like, Oh, this is clearly a situation where they've like actually elevated this character. Cause like generally the love interest is just like the, you know, manic pixie dream girl there to, you know, help Oh the, no, the even character. in the book, she's not the manic pixie dream girl, but <laughs> they, they completely, when they decided to change the story, the backstory of how he's in this school and where it goes, they had to redesign this character. They had to redesign Maya. Because in the book, one of the big moments that happens when people talking about people being crazy and having disorders, they actually talk about Sandy Hook Elementary in the book. Mm. Um, Yeah. So there's a big moment in there where people are talking about he must be crazy. And Adam is like, they don't understand what it's like. They don't understand what it's like not to be in control of your own mind. They don't understand what it's like when sometimes the easier thing to do is just do what the voice tells you. So it shuts up. They don't understand. And they took that weightiness out. And they tried to add other things in. And a part of it had to do with, you know, him trying to 
be reoriented in the school and they build up the mystery of is he going to tell her isn't he and the way that they did I still felt like it was heavy and substantive but in the book he actually ends up getting out of all of the religious components of going to a Catholic school by being able to sit down and write by rote all these different things that are out of the catechism but he did it so well that he ended up on one of the academic athlete teams so you see kind of how they changed the energy they gave her when they decided to do that plus he also actively gets bullied in the school by a snob there's a meet cute between him and Maya that happens when he gets abandoned one of the first days I personally prefer the meet cute that's in the movie I mean every boy should yeah (laughs) every boy should meet the girl that he's ultimately going to fall in love with when she basically rolls up on him and says raise up (laughs) (laughs) you messing with my business (laughs) you didn't see me no, I love I love like how they meet and just her energy and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I and I even like <laughs> his whole like tutoring like uh I need to be tutored, which is like, yeah, you don't really need to be tutored. You really want to hang out. <laughs> no, he needed a tutor. He totally needed a tutor. I mean, he needed to keep his grades up, but he didn't need a two hundred dollar tutor. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. Tutor. <laughs> Which mom. also really enjoyed uh, mom being like, uh, "That feels pricey." Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so you better get you better pay her what she's worth. I understand that you just explained to me all the ways in which you are the second coming, but you're out of my budget. Another thing that I did like is they used an absolutely fictitious drug. And I feel like that allows them to avoid all of the commentary around pharmaceuticals and what happens because they said he's participating in a drug trial and, you know, it's a quote, new medication. And they were very careful to make sure that we understood that it was tied with him, you know, being in therapy and, 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 and under the watchful eye. So I felt like they handled that and handled those elements about schizophrenia in a way that felt respectful, even if they didn't dig too deep. I felt like the ways they didn't dig too deep through it in the character, they gave it to us in the life of what it looked like and how he was living as a schizophrenic and that they kept it squarely away from being violent, yeah. you know? I, I appreciated that. It's a great depiction of mental illness and it didn't feel overly sensationalized, you know, full disclosure. And I like had it in my review, but I actually took it out um, because now uh, it's much later. But I was watching this at the same time that all of the Kanye stuff was happening. Oh, why would you do that? Well, it just happened that like the at the time that I was, you know, going to watch it, all the Kanye stuff was happening in the news. I'm not going to lie. I deliberately paused. (laughs) I had sat down to watch it right when he announced that he decided he wanted to run president. I said, you know what? I'm going to wait to watch walls on bathroom, words on bathroom walls. I'm going to wait. I'm sorry you couldn't because you have to understand. I know your link is timed. You got to watch before it dies. But Yeah, I was, I was watching. And I was just like, so this is really interesting because right now Kanye is having kind of a mental breakdown. <laughs> Not Why? kind of. And it's very public. So people have a lot of opinions about what should be happening, what shouldn't be happening, who who should be doing what, what they should be saying, all of the other stuff. You know, to watch a movie that's about that. And it didn't feel sensationalized. It didn't feel, you know, cheesy or after school, especially. Um, it also wasn't trauma porn. Yeah, and it wasn't trauma porn, which I think, you know, often when we have, when we talk about mental health, 
you know, people want to see the, the 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 descent into madness. They want to see, you know, them on the street, like, you know, they have nothing left because everything has been taken from them. And like, you know, the whole time, you know, his mom is there, his uh, stepfather, though cautious, is there. <laughs> like, though cautious and often having... Okay, look, I'm with Tell you that he hates you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am with his stepfather. This kid does not like me. He does not trust me. I'm putting the knives up. <laughs> I I know how that sounds, and I don't mean to be callous or cavalier, but until he reached a certain... This is the parts that I wish they had shown us. Until he reached a certain point of willingness to participate in his therapy, Adam was dangerous to himself mm-hmm. and others. And I get that they wanted to keep it a little family friendly, but I do wish they had given us some of the perspective of what his mother had been dealing with and going through. I, I think it would have made it that much more compelling. You know what I mean? You know, because we're on his side, you're like, oh no. But like at the same time, I'm like, Especially when he stops taking his medication. I, I was like, oh no, this is all bad. <laughs> like, yeah, like, we'll see, bad. you know, I I wish they had just given us, there are going to be people who watch this who don't understand or who aren't going to take the time to, to, to think through the whys and hows and wherefore. So all they're going to see is a kid being disobedient. Or, you know, some of the elements that were in the book that we're not going to get in the movie helped to kind of anchor these these issues. But there is plenty of stuff that was in the book that I'm glad they left out. The whole sexual relationship and how it progresses and the extreme anti-Catholicism in the book was handled much more deftly and with much more purpose and more relevant to what was going on with the story they were telling than was in the book. It was very off-putting for me in the book. And I'm a lapsed Catholic, but I'm still Catholic. So I have problems who take digs at things without putting in the context. So the relationship that developed between Andy Garcia and, and Adam in the movie really kind of worked, but it also served as another way in which it reveals how parents patronize children and adults listen to parents and then condescend to children or they withhold what a child needs even when the child is begging them to give it to them please help me please talk to me be clear to me i don't need you to play word games with me don't be vague those conversations in the movie felt very useful and relevant regardless of your age because I've had a conversation with a priest like that I'm like look I can go read and not understand a section of the bible by my damn self (laughs) no I I also appreciate and I did have that moment where I I did wonder because you know Andy Garcia is being he's being Andy Garcia so Mm -hmm. I was like he another <laughs> voice in his head. Like, you know, like the moments they have were very <laughs> intimate. So I was yeah. like, is he real? Like, yeah. um, but, you know, as someone who works with young people, it's so important to have those adults in your life. Those adults who are not your parents, but who, and who understand that you are young, but talk to you like. Yeah. You are a peer, not a peer, but you know, talk to you in a way that's real. Like your frontal lobe is developed. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, let's be real. A lot of people talk to people who were under the age of 30, like they're still, you know, eating candy and sniffing pixie sticks, and that's what they run on. And I, now, don't get me wrong, I like pixie sticks. But 
The thing that I really liked about what they did with Adam Garcia's relationship is they used that to juxtapose to what could happen and typically does happen to people who are under the age of 18 who are in therapy. Um, You may think that everything that you're telling your therapist is private, but they have the right to tell your parents. So you don't really necessarily have the vault for your secrets that you think you do. So I thought it was a very nice juxtaposition for them to use the relationship that does exist within the Catholic church. Once you go to confessional, he can't tell anybody. So it Mm -hmm. gave him a place to kind of speak and hear. I also liked how they broke that relationship because of a lack of, I don't really know how you describe it since he's not his parent, but a lack of parental authenticness. Like Andy Garcia only went up to a certain point because he looked at, Adam and just saw another high school kid and he used that to give himself permission to stay on script even though it's patently obvious when you're watching it this kid needs you to be real with him he needs you to be open with him and he needs you to be honest with him and I loved how they did that because it was also to the silent face of the you know mother superior nun Okay. I mean, it, you know, again, it, it's it's always a very fine line. Um, <laughs> in the past, like two years or so, I'm I mean, I've dealt with um, I, I've dealt with a kid who was gonna run away, and got called every name in the fucking book because I I supported this child who I I to this day she was in a dangerous situation. And I said, if you have to leave, I will help you find resources to leave. I was called everything but a child of God, um, <laughs> you know. But right. even in that situation, you know, there would have been people in my situation who would have been like, okay, like up to a point, yes. And now I have to involve your family. Now I have to, like, now I just have to, like, it can't be me. Like, and I feel like that, you know, even if you're a priest, you're in that like weird in between. It's like, at what point is it, you know, confidentiality, say whatever you want to say, all that. And now no, it's like, no, you're not as a priest. There's no, at what point he can't say nothing. So it should have been, but, the ultimate but if there's, if, even if there's a fear of like hurting yourself or others, he's a priest, it's priest penitent relationship. He can't say anything. The second that that boy says he's in confessional, it's between him, that priest and God, period, end of story. That's how that works. They're not therapists. That's why they have to be very careful about the relationships they develop with children when they're in an educational setting. And I thought that was very well done with the relationship they gave for Andy Garcia. One of the reasons why he didn't engage is because he knows if he tells me something that's bad, I can't tell anyone, but I'm also an administrator at this school. So I mean, that's always the thing is like certain things I do have to tell kids sometimes. Like if you, you know, do you want to speak in metaphor? Do you want to speak in generalities? Hypotheticals. In hypotheticals, because in certain if you tell me certain things, I have to report it. Yeah, that's not how it works with a priest. And that's why I think it would have been better if they kind of given a given a little bit more rounding to this so people who are outside the church understand. But one of the reasons why Andy Garcia's character never stepped over that line or stepped outside of what was the box he created for talking to the students is because he's a priest. 
And even though he works in a school and even though he's also considered to be an educator, administrator, adjunct, adjunct, adjunct to a system, he's always a priest first. So the only way for him to protect the priest penitent relationship and stay open to the children for a speak is for him not to over engage. And I think it's the reason when they wrap around later and you see how he comes to Adam once he does know what's going on. And he realizes if he had pushed, it wouldn't have taken him where he thought it was. You know, mm. I like the explanation they gave for that. It's much better done than the overt middle finger. It feels like certain parts of the book are. I feel like Julia Watson has problems with the Catholic Church specifically and organized religion in general. And I like the fact that they replaced the elements of the relationship that he had with Maya in the book with the ones that we get in the film. I thought they were more authentic. I thought they were more on brand for both mm. the character and the story they were telling and I think they felt like they gave us more opportunity for him to be human and vulnerable without also having to be somebody's victim like they yeah. victimize him more in the book than he is on screen and I get that for some people those are the things that were helpful to them but again as a black person I don't need trauma porn to get the point I don't need you no. to wallow and I, and I also don't need you to take it to somewhere that feels crass and unuseful. You know? And even when he like, you know, when he makes the decisions that you're like, no, don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you fully understand why you do you feel you, you fully feel like, yes, if I was in his situation, I might, I, you know, there's a good chance I would make the same exact decision because also, um, just the way this particular illness is, is like, there, there is no magic bullet. You know, there is no um, medication that's just gonna make it all perfect, you know? Um, so, you know, he's coming at it from that perspective of like, if this is not gonna be a cure anyway, like why would I let it, in, in his opinion, ruin the things that in my life that I love? Right. I do wish they had been a bit more clear than simply giving us the the litany of all the different pills he had tried. I felt like those were some areas where we could have gotten a little bit more. We had the time. Um, they had the material. They definitely had the actors. But overall, I really appreciated how they did all of this. I also liked how we never really saw the psychiatrist. So even though the psychiatrist was supposed to really be there, it kind of gave you a break of the fourth wall experience with um, Adam talking to essentially us. I think that lightened things up, but kept them grounded, but not ever let it feel like you were getting buried. I don't know. I don't know. Also, I, like I, would have, I would have felt the way if the, um, <laughs> if the psychiatrist was a black woman, because like, that's a thing now. Okay, that's I was going to say not that out loud, but that's why I was happy we never saw the psychiatrist. I don't need... <laughs> I don't need another situation where they've got a black woman who's supposed to be stepping in to save some white boy. And I think as movies adapt books and they start thinking about the ways that they can craft characters to be more representative of what the world would actually look like that the author potentially ignored and they decide, well, this person can be played by a black person. Um, um, I hope they continue to think also about the world they put them in and how they build it and what that world is pop who that world populates with too. Mm -hmm. Now, on one hand, I am delighted that Taylor Russell played Maya. 
On the other hand, Maya was Filipino. Mm -hmm. She's already a person of color. I don't necessarily know why we couldn't have gotten an Asian actress. Um, yeah. Adam was just lifted. not interchangeable people. <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're not interchangeable. We all, we are distinct ethnic and racial groups. And we all would like work. And we all would like to see them work. But like, Adam could have been non-white easily. But I don't think that they would have exercised some of the care and restraint if they had made Adam non-white. I think they would have leaned a little more into the stereotypes of violence. I think they would have drifted away from the source material more had they changed the ethnicity or the race of Adam Petrozelli. And again, his last name is Petrozelli, which makes him Italian. Mm -hmm. And Charlie Plummer ain't Italian. So there's that too. But yeah, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I was saying they they stripped the story of some named characters, which would have given the opportunities for some rounding. But taking those elements out of the story also removed the areas where I felt like they wallowed in trauma to try to make their point. And they replaced them with more of the dynamic that was happening between his home situation and his school situation, more of the dynamic of him trying to find himself. And I like that. I really enjoyed that a lot. And this book was extremely popular. I don't know whether or not that popularity will fully transfer from the reading audience to the viewing audience, but I think it's going to capture a different portion of the viewing audience because this does contemporary YA romance rather well. We do have to talk about one thing yes. that um, it, which is the release of it. Mm-hmm. It is being released in theaters. It is roadside <laughs> yeah. attraction. Stinks, y'all going to the movies for this, and not again. Not that it's not a great <laughs> movie. Totally should see it. Look, if I won't go to the movies for Tenet, and I am obsessed with Christopher Nolan movies, as evidenced by the most recent spoiler review series that we did on the MTR network. Yeah. If I won't go to a movie theater for Tenet, I'm not going for words on bathroom walls. I do think this is a good movie, but I also think it can be a good at-home movie experience. You don't even have to have a Mac, an IMAX quality sound and screen system in order for this to show and sound in a way to where it can be really engrossing to you. So I'm yeah. assuming that right. they will also do a virtual cinema. I look, I, I have risked a lot. <laughs> I am not getting acquainted with Rona May just to go see this film. And I'm really, really Mm -mm. Mm -mm. like, this feels like the perfect watch at home, get some popcorn with your girls. Like, you know, have a Netflix party. This, this is it. Like, this is it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so surprised. Okay. The book world has done a relatively good job about pivoting. Um, some of the books, okay, that's a lie. A lot of the books, that the, the especially the big five, thought were going to be their tentpole or prestige titles, they pushed back. A lot of them, they pushed back to 2020. Now, 
they're changing their minds about that as they see that books are selling in this environment. And some of them are like, surprise, release dates back and dropping mm-hmm. the book like they just did with Harlow the Ninth. They originally tried to push that back. But a lot of debut author books, um, particularly for the ones who are melanin light, they push them back because they want to still give them the traditional junket tour. They want to send them the festivals and all of that stuff. And um, it's a tactical error. It's the same tactical error they're making for movie theaters, but the book world has pivoted better. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that people remembered that you don't need anything except for light to read. Mm -hmm. People haven't necessarily made the same connection to people's changed movie watching experience. As someone who is a, you know, single person living alone and, you know, I go back and forth with these like prices for VOD versus rental and like all of that. Right. I am, I am that person. Even with that, (laughs) I think this is the time to be really prudent and thinking about like, what is your model? What is your movie? What makes sense? What are people going to do? What are people gonna leave their houses for? People are, I I know it seems like everybody's out there partying, but there is a strong contingent of people. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, (laughs) I'm gonna be real. No one should be trying to do anyone, anything to lure someone to a group gathering space period Mm -hmm. this is a great highly engaging entertaining movie that handles a sensitive subject very well it was never going to be an award stunner there's no reason at all to hold this movie hostage none i mean it was and it wasn't gonna be like a big box office leave your house to go especially not if they were planning on releasing it around this time anyway like i can understand if you were trying to do like a oh no this movie was originally supposed to come out in april they weren't trying to play with the big dogs no ma'am yeah they're not it's like you know (laughs) but you weren't even trying to like maybe capitalize on like the you know, if you capitalize on the romance portions of it and, like, release it, like, around Valentine's Day or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. other times people might go to the movies to, like, watch two teenagers kissing. <laughs> like, you weren't even trying to do that. So it's kind of like... No, but that's why I said this movie may not necessarily garner all of the um, audience from the book. Because the book is much more sexual than they allow the movie i personally think what they replaced it with in the movie is perfect the metaphor is perfect the moment is perfect the everything that you get between them as they develop their relationship i thought was spot on perfect and their energy was perfect and who doesn't like an outside theater and that's all i'm gonna say about that (laughs) but yeah but i really think that we've reached the point in the world where it's time for people to just kind of recognize we have to change how we think about things. It's not necessarily about luring somebody out of their house to come see our project. It's convincing someone that you're our project's the one you want to pay for period. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that words on bathroom walls would have been a good one for them to send to virtual cinemas and kind of do a nice social media and online marketing campaign, recapture their audience. They should have gone back out and grabbed their book bloggers and had them talk in and maybe did a virtual cinema watch for them so they could go on social media and talk about it as well and push their book up and amped it out and got all the people who like contemporary YA um, to just come in and be be happy to see this movie they could have like done a crossover audience for the people who loved the movie uh, other movies like the joy moyers so you could get the adults who like those book as well as the teens who like swoon and i don't know why they didn't think about that and you know if you hear this and you want me to come think about it for you <laughs> i consult but i just think this is a solid movie with a solid cast and it would have been a great opportunity for them to pivot into the virtual cinema cinema space and bring their audience with them and to reincorporate the book world. It it would have been a great opportunity to come back around and say, Hey, look, we do know how to bring these stories to life in ways that respect the source material, but add to it with cinematic elements because some of the crane shots and like the smooth, you know, the smooth angles and just like the, the, the front end face to faces they give you in this movie are great and they're used well. And then when you see how they're using the, the changes to filters on the light and the dark and why they do it and when they do it and the, the emotion that the characters bring into those moments, this was perfect for all of that. And I just hope people see the movie and I hope they appreciate it. And if you didn't read words on bathroom walls, you don't need to in order to enjoy this film. But I think if you see the film and you're just curious about how it differed from the book, it's still a good read or a good audiobook listen, you know? Yeah, I definitely want to go back and read uh, the book. I'm When you, you know, do, I'm dying to know what you think about the differences in the characters in the story. I'm dying full to disclosure. know. Full yes. disclosure. I said I was also going to read Little Fires Everywhere. That came up on my queue. I downloaded it and then didn't read it and it expired. <laughs> So, getting through things has been hard i'll just but. judge you only a little it's fine this shouldn't be that much shouldn't be as difficult to get through as little fires it's a completely different writing style completely different um and i think it's more accessible and i think it fits better with how you ingest and enjoy stories if that makes sense so um, you like contemporary YA and you like love stories. So you also like stories that have a purpose and a point, but they use a scalpel instead of a sledgehammer. And you're not going to get a medical experience with schizophrenia from this book, but you can get an emotional journey for someone who has a mental illness and is struggling to still m maintain who they are. And I do think that that's done well, both in the movie and the book. So when you get there, I'm definitely curious to circle back and have you tell me what you think about the changes they made to the characters and to the world that they put them in. But yeah, at that I'm point, I'm a fan of seeing it after also. So this is perfect. I, I don't like to, if I haven't already read the book, I don't like to read the book beforehand. Fair. Because <laughs> I know you feel the book is better anyway, and I don't want to be sitting there. I don't always say that. I don't always I, say I that. Know not always, but usually. And so, like, I don't like to be that person that's in there complaining about every single thing that Lovecraft they change. Lovecraft Country is better <laughs> on TV. Misha Green stole Matt Ruff's book completely. So I, oh, don't, I, I don't always say the book is better than the movie and or show. 
because it's not true. I think it's a tie for words on bathroom walls. It's going to depend on what you were interested in and what you were getting out of the story. If you've already read the book and now watching the movie, or if you're watching the movie and then you go read the book, I personally think it is a tie because it comes at it from a different emotional energy, but still ends up in a hopeful place, uh, a better place than we usually do when dealing with a story about mental illness, particularly for someone who's at a formative coming of age change in their life. So I would call this one a tie. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, Shanna, thanks for coming and chit-chatting about Words on Bathroom Walls, which again drops this Friday in theaters. In theaters. In theaters. August 21st. <laughs> so if you're, if you're lucky enough to be one of those theaters that's actually doing real social distancing and picking the only ones that I know of are like the movie, movie, movie boxes. And I don't know if there is one around here, but um, it's, it's a good watch. And for all the heavy top, you know, for the heavy topic, it's not a heavy movie. So you won't feel out, walk out feeling like you need a drink. Thanks for coming back again to I Talk Shit and Read. I will be back again with an extended interview with the author, Kaylin Barron, about her debut release, Cinderella is Dead. And I got a couple other surprises coming down the pipeline. 